Hello, everyone. I'm Kayla. And I'm Silas, and this is The Adventures of Kayla and Silas, a podcast about everything travel. Each week, we cover travel topics we find interesting and that we hope you will, too. This week, we have two very special guests, Kat and Kim from... Iowa. There it is. Now you know. (laughs) We're from Iowa. They're from Iowa. But they have a very interesting story. They both taught English in Korea, and we want to hear their stories. Oh, excuse me, in South Korea, um, not North Korea. Thanks, we'll, Captain Obvious. We'll cut that out. <laughs> it's not that obvious, though. A lot of people would Captain be like, which, which Korea are you working? And I'm like, please don't. <laughs> don't make me say. It's really true. It is. Yeah. Um, so why don't you both introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your background as far as traveling to Korea goes. So this is Kat here. Hi, Kat. Hello. (laughs) So I graduated in 2008. As you all probably recall, the market was not in a great situation, job market included. And roughly around that time, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with life, had an English degree, didn't want to teach. So I thought, why not teach abroad? Um, (laughs) And I knew, yeah, exactly. So I, I knew somebody that was in Korea. I had looked at different ESL teaching ESL in different countries, but ESL for people who don't know. Oh, English as a second language, but I just kept finding horror stories online. And so I told myself if I'm going to teach abroad that I wanted to go someplace reputable, I wanted to go someplace where I trusted that I wasn't going to fall into some trap or some lair or some like workhorse company. And I ended up posting on Facebook, like, I need a job. Get me out of here, basically. And a friend of a friend commented saying, come to Korea. And really, that's how it started. That's That's how I got there. So That's super cool. Hi, this is Kim. I knew that Kat and some of our other friends were in Korea. And my husband and I had both kind of been told by our bosses that like, hey, we don't know if we're going to be open six months from now. And so we thought we need to find something ASAP. And our friend Kate, who we both know and who was also in Korea, was like, you could do this. And I, my background is poli sci. And so I was like, no, I cannot do this. Um, But so I, I, my husband was also an English major. So he's like, I could. And so I went and got a English as a foreign language certificate in Denver over like a long weekend and a lot of online classes and, and yeah. And so, uh, we applied and they were very, well, I don't know if we'll talk about this, but like there are kind of two routes you can go in South Korea, which is either Hagwon, which is the private schools, or you can go through Epic, which is through the government public schools. And they were, everyone was like, Hagwons can be great, but there's like 5% of Hagwons that are great. And the rest are awful and you'll hate yourself and you'll run away in the middle of the night. And so they're like, stick it out. Don't say yes until you can get an epic job, which were harder to get. But we found one pretty quickly, actually. I mean, I think we applied, like started applying in like the middle of the winter and we had jobs. We were there in June. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. Do I guess a great segue just to talk about the process of applying to programs in Korea and dive into that a little bit more for for us. Okay. Do you want to go? Because you did both. Yeah. So my first year, like I mentioned, my friend Kelly messaged me on Facebook saying, come teach in Korea. And she connected me to her school. They were opening up a new branch and were looking for English teachers. So I just applied through that. And within a month, I kid you not, I'm pretty sure it was within a month, I was 
piecing out of the U.S. and on a plane to South Korea. Oh, cool. And so I ended up teaching in a private school my first year. Mm -hmm. So it really was a short term. Like it was really took very little time to to get that job. Mm -hmm. My second year, however, I went through an agency and found a public school teaching position in the city where I wanted to to work. And that took a couple of months. Just as Kimmy was saying, it just takes a lot longer to get a public school teaching position. Yeah. And so I I worked with a lot of different with that agency to find find a pro, an appropriate school. It was kind of out of the normal cycle to to find a job. Normally sure. the schools are trying to find teachers during the summer kind of to to start for the school year. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was a little bit harder for me to get that. Yeah. And I actually, did you use, the, were you, what agency did you use? Something bus. Do you remember? I think it was like ATC. Yes. But I don't remember where yeah, the you, bus came in. Yeah. So <laughs> I think maybe they changed their name. Like, right. So yeah, I used the same agency, I think from Kat's suggestion. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. And I think you had like an okay situation with your Hagwon, but I really wanted to make sure that we did the the public school route right away. And we also were kind of like, get us there as soon as you can. So, um, so we kind of got lucky. The problem, not the problem, but the issue with me and my husband was like, we both wanted to go at the same time and live in the same place so that we wanted schools in the same neighborhood. But we just got so lucky that that kind of opened up in the middle of the semester for both of us. So, um, so yeah, we, we did the whole basically the same thing just went through the agency and they, and we just said, no, we're doing Epic. We're doing public school. That's it. Don't tell us anything about the, we don't want to hear anything about the private schools. They really (laughs) pushed them because they get more money um, to recruit for the private schools. But we were just like, nope, nope, nope. And so when they realized we were very like, no, we're only doing this, then they're like, okay, here's some jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys want to talk a little bit about the, like what are, schools in Korea looking for when they're when they're trying to find guest English teachers like um not just the requirements but kind of like the qualities of the person for one thing they're looking for midwest accents so that was one thing that you have to do a like a phone interview and I think they I was told that they really are making sure that you don't have like a strong southern accent or a Brooklyn accent or something like that and even though epic at least recruits from Ireland and South Africa and like all these other countries that speak English a lot of times they were asked to teach on like American traditions so yeah so like around November they'd be like teach us about Thanksgiving and all these people who weren't American would be like (sighs) Thanksgiving is when America got their independence (laughs) I think (laughs) um yeah uh what else can you think of so when I think about it I'm I'm thinking back to my second year when I went through that recruiter Mm -hmm. and the the teacher who I was my co-teacher um, later told me that when she selected me so I guess she had really a, a big role in picking the teacher she was like facebooking kind of stalking me on Facebook and selected me based on my profile picture which is this weird photo of me hanging from a tree because <laughs> I was <laughs> still a child and I still am and um, so I don't know if that's indicative of all schools, but apparently mine was looking for somebody that would be like a little bit more entertaining. Fun. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm trying to think what else. I mean, I mean, in terms of overall requirements mm-hmm. for a school, I mean, you have to have a four year degree to teach there. Okay. And I think they've become a lot more stringent in the last few, in the last like 10 years because 
the jobs, the job market in South Korea has um, slowed down a bit for English teachers from, oh, sure. from foreign countries. So they can be a little bit more selective. So at this time, my understanding is it's better to have, you know, maybe that, that teaching certificate or some kind of background. Mm-hmm. It may help you because the market is just more selective. Mm-hmm. I know when I was leaving, I left in 2013. They were, at least in the city I was living in, they were really like pulling back on how many teachers they were going to be hiring and they were reshuffling everyone around being selective about how many high schools and how many middle schools were going to have a foreign English teacher. And they were really focusing us, like our workforce into the uh, the elementary schools. And so like my husband was being told if you want to stay next year, you'll probably have to go to an elementary school, which he didn't want to do. He was like, I'm not a singy dancy type of teacher. So I think like the, there was kind of like a, a more, I don't know. I don't know the history or the political situation that was happening, but it was more of a push after the elections in 20, was it 12 or 13? It was 12, 11 was when I left. Yeah. And and then you came back right before you visited. Anyway, the point being that the person who won was much more like, yeah, Pak and who was just impeached. Um, oh gosh. Yeah, she, I, her, I think her, one of her things was like, okay, we need to have more Koreans and fewer foreigners doing mm. these jobs. So, okay. yeah, and to add to that, so I just went back in April for a wedding and was kind of drilling some of my friends about the current teaching situation yeah. for foreigners because I, I just re- recognize there are just fewer foreigners in in South Korea and so I was asking what's the situation right why is that why did that happen and he was saying during Pak and Hay during her um, time in office they were looking at s- some studies that showed that foreign teachers weren't very effective mm-hmm. and part of it honestly in my opinion would be lack of training lack of quality materials mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. but on the other hand I mean there were a lot of people that went there and kind of exploited the system and exploited the situation. And so they were saying it wasn't effective, which probably was true. And so they were focusing more on having the Korean teachers become more qualified to be teaching and teaching alone on that subject matter. And then, and there was uh, a new emphasis on math in the classroom. But again, that's uh, based on some input from friends. (laughs) So would it be fair to say that some people were going, not necessarily for the teaching component, but because there was a paid job in this interesting country where they could kind of hang out, party, that kind of thing? Yes, totally. I would say that, I would say more people than not that I met were there for like a second college experience, which was like, I got to put my time in during the day, but I'm going to get wasted and maybe she'll point hung over tomorrow morning. And it was super important to me. And I, all I, at least all the people that I knew that we were professional and that we wanted to show like, no, we're here because we, we want, this is a job to us. But I met a lot of people who it wasn't a job to them. Right. It was an experience they could add to their well, stories it's a job, in the But future. you're also an ambassador of sorts yeah. in that situation. Yeah. So I, I mean, like I made a huge effort with my, with my school to be like, no, you can take me seriously. You can trust me with your kids. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, I, this is real for me because I think that they were starting to get burnt out on like the turnover because people right. come for a year, they have a blast, they leave, they come for a year, they have a, and I was there for three years and I wanted to stay forever, honestly, but I had a good relationship with my school because I put in that, like yeah. that effort to show them that I wasn't exploiting it. Like a lot of people do to move on a little bit. What was, what was it like in the classroom for each of you? Go ahead. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I taught in elementary schools. I mostly taught elementary school kids. My first year in the private, the private school, I taught elementary and then a few classes were middle school. But mostly I taught elementary school kids. It was very campy. It was a lot of, hello, my name is Sunny. And it was, how is the weather? It's Sunny. Which... <laughs> Every day becomes just painful, which is what ended up making me think, okay, I need to figure out my life plan, like my career plan, because I can't tolerate basic English. But, (laughs) well, I mean, like teaching basic, very, very basic English words, like this, the color is blue. I needed something a little bit more challenging, but I really loved the interactions with the students. So I would have some, some students that I would see behavioral issues at the beginning and then (laughs) suddenly uh, or progressively over the course of the year, they would be interacting and actually presenting in front of the class instead of being disruptive. And so you were, it was, those were the moments for me that I realized like there there's value in what I was doing. And I, you know, I did take it seriously as Kimmy was saying, it's just, you know, it's, it wasn't necessarily your passion to teach that grade level. Yeah, it was not my life calling. <laughs> not not, not I think elementary. We, I think we all I think we all find that with our first jobs. Or most of us find that with our first jobs. <laughs> Mine was like a little bit backwards in that I didn't ever want to be a teacher and I had nothing to do with English as far as my background, but sure. I really fell in love with the job and like kind of wanted to consider staying there forever and keep teaching. It's definitely campy and it definitely can in what grade Get level old. did you I go? was also doing elementary okay. school, but I think that, I don't know what your situation was like, but I had one really, really great co-teacher mm-hmm. and oh, we cool. worked together very well and she trusted me pretty quickly and she gave me a lot of responsibility. I had another, I had a couple other co-teachers over the course of my time in that school who either didn't trust me or didn't really want me in the classroom. They just had to have me there. And so I just sat in the corner and I was a parrot. They just turned to me and be like, you say the word now. And then I'd say the word and they'd repeat after me. And mm-hmm. it was so boring and mind numbing. So when I was with ji everything was great and I loved it. She let me do my own lesson plans and oh, let me cool. like come up with games and things. And it was really fun. And then I think it was like, I think if you were in a school where no, where you had more teachers, like my other co-teachers, that's a reason, even if you came in with the best of intentions, you wouldn't last longer than a year in the system. But, um, luckily I had a really, really, really good co-teacher and it made all the difference for sure. Yeah. That's super cool. So outside the classroom, let's, let's move beyond that a little bit. Just your time in Korea, I guess you, you did some traveling, Mm -hmm. I would assume. And where were some places that you went? What were your favorite places? And, and also while you're thinking about that, what was it like balancing that, that work-life balance situation between when could I take a trip Mm -hmm. and having to plan ahead for that? We had like two major breaks in the winter and then in the summer. And some schools would be like, oh, the kids aren't here for three weeks, so you don't have to be either. And some schools like mine were like, okay, yeah. And usually it was elementary (laughs) schools were more like, no, your contract says you are here from this date to this date. And so we would sit in the school all by ourselves all day while all the other teachers were off with their families and friends on vacation. Oh my gosh. Like nobody else in the building, maybe an administrator or two. 
And I mean, yeah, sometimes you would sneak out early and stuff, but I was always nervous to do that. So (laughs) they're going to catch me. They're going to send me back. My co-teachers were the ones encouraging me. They're like, hey, we're going to go to this movie. We won't tell anyone. It'll be okay. And I was just like, are you sure? Are you sure? (laughs) But yeah, our contract was like very strict about like you get this week off and you get this week off between the the two semesters. Or maybe it was like one in two weeks or something like that. I can't remember exactly. I think in total we got 11 vacation days Mm -hmm. a year, if my memory serves me right, which is pretty good. And compared to when I worked in the private, the Hagwon, the private school, I had, I think, five vacation days a year, which is not very much, especially when you find out that they count holidays like the. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So my first year, I really wasn't able to travel much. I went to China for a holiday weekend mm-hmm. and otherwise I couldn't. And it wasn't until I worked in the, the, the public schools that I was able to actually get out of South Korea for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is another reason why a lot of people wanted to work in public schools and not private schools, because we would get like the 11 days plus all of the holidays. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. And if you had a really cool school, they were also letting you leave when it wasn't technically like in your contract to be out of the school. Even in the United States, it's public schools tend to have more perks in that direction. Yeah, I think so. Not, not, not so much in the pay area, but in the, uh, you know, Oh, well, we'll let you not come to work. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Education. Who needs it? But back to your question, I went to Japan. That's actually the only country I visited. The city we lived in Busan was like, right. Just like a hop, skip and a jump over to Hukoka. Yeah. Um, Japan. And, I went there with a friend one summer, just a long weekend. We couch surfed and we met a girl who she had been in the jet program, which is like the same thing in Japan. And she'd been doing it for five years. She spoke fluent Japanese. And so I went and visited her. She came visit me. Like we became pretty good friends. And so I just went back and forth that way. And it was really fun. I mean, Japan and Korea are totally different from each other. Yeah. Like night and day different from each other, which I wasn't really expecting, but it was like just, Yeah. I don't know. You went to Japan. You went, I, I didn't do a lot of traveling because I was trying to pay off my student loans. Like I had this big goal of like, and I did, but it meant I didn't get to travel as much as everyone else. So yeah. And I didn't travel as much either because I was preparing for graduate school, but I did go to, to China in 2008 for the, the Chinese new year, which was amazing. So Beijing, it was the first year they allowed fireworks within the city, within the city limits may have burned down a high rise. (laughs) So way to go. But it was really cool. Wait, you you or? No, not me. (laughs) Thank you. It's a legitimate question. I swear it was other people, you guys. No, so that happened. But it was really cool just to see the fireworks from all these different angles. It was just a panorama of fireworks. So that was a really neat experience. And then my second year, like I mentioned, I was able to travel a lot more. So that year I went to Japan and did Fukuoka, traveled up. I took a whole week off. I will say the ferry we went through a travel agent and they failed to book our ferry trip. So that was a nightmare in itself. Um, but we, the overnight, like the long ferry. No, but we, it was a story. So we, we, we ended up having to book a new ferry trip, but it was over a holiday. So we weren't able to get the the trip back the same day. So we were going to miss a day of school, which is kind of a no, no in Korea. Yeah. And turns out, so I had called my co-teacher to tell her like, I'm so sorry. There's no way we already booked hotels and stuff like that. And so when we got back from Japan, 
she was like, yeah, I just turned the lights on and told everybody that you were in your room sick. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, and uh, I mean, I loved my co-teacher. She was great, but I was always like, oh, I'm sorry. Um, so that you was... buy your dinner or something? Oh, I yeah. I mean, I'm sure I... <laughs> I hope I paid Miss U back. She was great. But I did Japan. I went up from Fukuoka and took uh, the train up through Kyoto, went to Nara and Tokyo. So that was fun. And then, so that was my Japan trip. And then right before I left Korea, my boyfriend at the time, we took a trip to Thailand. And so we spent about a week there. So yeah. So I got to, I got to go to a few different places, but I think the, the bulk of my travel was really within South Korea, which was amazing. Yeah, I'm curious about that that aspect of it. Where uh, did you travel anywhere? It came in, inside of oh, South yeah. Korea. Oh yeah, all over the place. I mean, the best thing about Korea is like things are a lot less expensive and also faster because they have like their really quick trains that were super cheap, and even their slow trains were like fun and beautiful. Just to, like sit. I mean, like I would take like the one that took like an hour and a half between Busan and Ulsan, which are like they're not very far away, but it was just like the slowest train in the world, but you just like go along the coast and it was so pretty. And then you go through the rice paddies and it was so pretty. And what? They don't have that one anymore. What? I know. It was my favorite. I know. Dang, that sucks. But yeah, no, <laughs> no. A yeah, moment so. of silence for the slow train. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. No. And then, you know, like Busan and Seoul are really far apart. So, you know, going to Seoul is like, Let's go to New York City, but way cheaper. And and then I went to I had friends who lived in different cities who were teaching in different cities as well. So yeah. Guangzhou and Gyeongju and Andong and I never made it to the um what's the little Jeju 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 yeah did you ever go there No, I won tickets. So um wait, you won tickets? Yeah. So one night after a a few bottles of mekju and makgeolli, so beer and a rice wine kind of mm-hmm. drink. My friend Kelly and I were playing this game where you try to kind of get this pin, I don't know, through a hole. It's really, it's like, it has to fit perfectly in order for Not you to the win the prize. Yeah. It was in the, by the university. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whatever, I'm going to, I'm going to put in a thousand one, which is the equivalent of a dollar. And it just went in perfectly and it dropped and it was probably like midnight and we're screaming throughout the streets oh my gosh. and I open it. It's like a trip to Jeju. Later find out you had to like pay for this hotel, oh, yeah. like for a hundred dollar nights. But, um, my friend got to use it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so I didn't get to go to Jeju, but I could have, oh. <laughs> yeah. but, um, yeah, and Jeju is, it's an Island in the Southern, off the Southern coast of South Korea. It's kind of what Koreans describe it as like the Hawaii, the Hawaii. of South Korea. It's not, it's not, but I mean, like, it's not like when I think of, when I think of Hawaii, I think like tropical and yeah. like bikinis and it's not like that. It's more like traditional, like Korea with like, here's more statues and like, here's a sure. mountain and it's quiet and there's a sex museum, mm. right? There's a lot yeah. of weird sex museum-y things in Korea. Yeah, speaking of, so... <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's hear um, this story. Let's, yeah. Let's segue. Turns out there's also a penis park in yeah. South Korea. Samchuk, South Korea, if you're looking it up. <laughs> north uh, east of South Korea. And so my girlfriends and I were like, we should take a road trip there. And so we decided we would we would plan a, a surprise trip for my for my boyfriend, Hyun Gon, gone. And um I think he was the only guy that went on that trip. And we were like, <laughs> he was a harem of women. Yes. This 
<laughs> this poor guy. I love him to death. He was so nice. He borrowed his parents' car to take us on this surprise road trip where he did not know the destination. Oops. And I was like, not going to tell him until he got in the car. Was the surprise just for him? <clears throat> like, yes. was he the only one that didn't know what was happening? Yes. That's too drive? funny. And he <laughs> drove you there. <laughs> yes. Did you tell him? Well, you had to tell him because he had to know where he was going. Yeah. So we had, he had to enter it in the GPS. And so at some point, I think it was at the very beginning of the trip, he was just like, oh my God, cat. <laughs> had he ever been there? No. He didn't even know it existed. What? Nor oh. did like G or really? Oats, like all my friends, my friends from Korea, they also had never heard of Penis Park, which exists. <laughs> oh, it exists. It is a large park of penis sculptures, including a cannon of large, large cannon that's shaped like a penis, which um, <clears throat> when I was taking a photo with it, a bunch of ajumas, like a group of ajumas, old ladies, old were coming ladies. down the stairs, and one of them was like, talking in Korean kind of loudly at me and I was like I don't know what's going on and then all of a sudden she just goes like licks her lip and I was like gross (laughs) that's you know anyone does it it's it's weird but an old lady does it 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 equals gross but also awesome um feel yeah gross but like I want to be friends with that old lady yeah feel free to edit this out of your podcast no the the name of the podcast just got changed to teaching English in Korea and Penis Park. <laughs> <laughs> it exists. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, I mean, the trips that you've taken, Penis Park is, you know, maybe a six or a seven as far as awesomeness goes. Mm-hmm. Or how, what would you rank it? Uh, 12. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty great. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, good. Well, now we know. Now we know about Penis Park. Yep. Let's move on to... This last point, what advice do you have for any people who are looking to do a similar trip slash who are looking to teach English in Korea or teach English in a foreign country? What advice do you have for these people? Take it seriously. I would say, you know, as we've mentioned, you're ambassadors of your country, of your culture. You are representing maybe your institution. Every time you say, I went to Iowa State University or wherever you went, you know, you're representing your state. You're representing your school. You know, I met so many people that were just there to party and have a good time, which fine. But I also, you know, I I respected the people that took it seriously. And I think oftentimes it's the people that don't take it seriously that give the U.S. a bad name. Mm-hmm. But other than that, if you're going to teach in Asia, maybe take taco seasoning. <laughs> <laughs> and cheese. <laughs> Not that that'll last. Um, I would totally echo exactly what Kat said, like, you have a huge responsibility, whether you want it or not. If you're going, then take it seriously and um, do your research about who you're going with. And, you know, as far as like who's recruiting you and do you have more you want to uh-huh. add? Here, go ahead. Also immerse yourself, make friends outside of yes. just American people or wherever you're from. By far, the best thing I did was making friends with some people from South Korea. I dated a guy for two and a half years. And because of it, I got to understand a lot more about the South Korean culture. I was able to really feel connected to the community. And really, South Korea just has for a really long time felt like a second home. So, I mean, really, the experience is what you make of it. So make it a good one, right? Yeah. And that's also what I was going to say is don't just see it as like a stopping point, but like really try to immerse yourself in it and make friends, not just with people from your home country, but 
I mean, I made friends with people, not just from my home country and South Korea, but all over the world while I was there, I made an effort because it is easy to kind of fall into like, oh, you're going through the same thing as me. And you remember what it was like back in Iowa or back in America. But there are people who get there and they stay for years and years, but they're very negative for some reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just complain about the culture. They complain about Koreans or they complain about like, oh, these jobs suck. It's like, just be positive. Like you're here and you only get this, you know, like limited time to do this. Like just make the best of it and appreciate what you have while you're here. So I would say that that's true for, uh, that was true for me when I studied abroad. I mean, I studied abroad in the UK, which is not necessarily dissimilar to the United States, but has very interesting differences. Whereas I feel like Southeast Asia is very different, um, in comparison, although I haven't been there. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll correct. I'm okay. Good. Um, (laughs) So, but when I was there studying abroad, I ended up spending the majority of my time with other students studying from the United States, and it was a fun experience. I got to travel a lot and got to commiserate a lot about how we really missed Big Macs from the States or, you know, whatever it was. But the time that I went back after that, I went back to the same location and ended up hanging out with a very different group of people because I was working at the university rather than studying at the university and wasn't there with another group of students from the United States. So I made a lot of friends from the university and from the town and learned exponentially more through that experience, which was a shorter experience than I did the first time mm-hmm. studying abroad. So that's that's really good advice to, uh, to anyone who's traveling to another country to really try and immerse yourself. Mm-hmm. I want to give you both the chance to share one more story. Do either have anything? I mean, like, it's such a broad it is, yeah. request. Okay. Um, my first day, like, teaching in front of my class, I was not teaching in front of, like, a bunch of fourth graders whose English is pretty limited, like, really limited. Sure. And so my co-teacher's interpreting everything. Then she's like, do you guys have any questions for Kimmy teacher? And they're asking me like, oh, you know, what's your favorite color? Things fourth graders want to know about right. you. What's your favorite color? And like, what what is your favorite animal? And then this little kid stands up and he's like, Kimmy teacher, do you like Ryan? And I said, who, who's Ryan? He's like, you know, Ryan, do you like Ryan? And I like looked at my co-teacher and I'm like, who's Ryan? And we, we like look at the kid again and he goes, Ryan, rawr, Ryan. And I was like, oh God, you're so cute. I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, don't laugh, don't laugh. But I was like, no, I'm laughing. Like, I do, I do like lions. Thank you. <laughs> I loved that job so much. Oh, They're so That's cute. That's awesome. Yeah. Limited limited English for fourth graders, even the United States, I think, is the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing beats, like, broken English. That's awesome. I love it. That's super fun. <laughs> Hold on. It's hard. Mm-hmm. And Kat's birthday. Oh, no. I've oh, told no. this story so much. I haven't heard it. I haven't heard really? it. Okay. Well, well it's not it. a good travel story. And it's... Not really a teaching moment, but it's by far the most told story of my time in South Korea in that it was my birthday. Well, it was roughly my birthday and it was roughly my, uh, I was saying goodbye. So it was my farewell party. And that day I had hung out, like I had already moved out of my apartment. So I was staying with our friends, Kate and Chaz, and we just had a day of saying goodbye, you know, drinking mulled wine and eating delivery Chinese food. 
Um, and by the time we got to the party, I really made it maybe 30 minutes before I was like, I don't feel well, don't Uh feel well, but everyone was coming out to see me, to see me off, to say goodbye. And I was, so I was like, I'm sticking it through. I'm going to stick it out. And so I was, you know, I was just, I wasn't eating the Korean barbecue. I wasn't eating anything or drinking anything. We went to brewery after everyone was like hugging me goodbye and I was like really just hanging out by the bathroom a lot like no one knew what was going on like I was just like no I'm just I'm just gonna walk them to the door it's fine um and finally like finally I got to the point of like I gotta go right I gotta go and um we the only way out of this building was an elevator like great great city code right um and so you know like when you're not feeling well and that that happens and my friend Aaron comes in for a hug to say me goodbye and I had to like push him away (laughs) and just like I barfed in the entryway (laughs) of this giant building and was horrified I clearly had gotten food poisoning because this was not anything else like I had gotten food poisoning and I was like on the side just feeling miserable and then these guys walk like walked out of this building just looking really dapper in their like three-piece suits basically and one guy walks through it and slips and almost falls and was like ah and all of his friends were like horrified yelling and then laughing really hard and then all of my friends were laughing and so they started high-fiving finding it hilarious (laughs) meanwhile I'm on the side like crying because this is the most embarrassing moment of my life but in hindsight I tell that story way too much That is awesome. This was a really fun show. I really appreciate both of you coming out. As always, we ask that any of you leave any questions that you have in the comment section below, or if you have a specific question, feel free to email us directly or connect with us on social media. Our email address is kaylinsilas at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest by searching Kayla and Silas. Once again, I'm Kayla. And I'm Silas, wishing you luck on your upcoming adventures. Bye. 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 See ya.